Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Welcome back to Dear Writer. So today we are on to episode eight, which means this show has been running for eight months. We do have some exciting news today, which we will tell you a little bit later. Um, Merry Christmas, everyone, by the way, because the day this comes out, it should be Christmas. We're not in, it's not Christmas day here as we're recording because we typically record it a little bit ahead of time. But yes, I hope you enjoy this as you're stuffed full of turkey. (laughs) Yes, hopefully. I'm very excited to share our news with you guys at the end of this podcast. And I'm also very, very excited for Christmas. I feel like this whole year has been exhausting, even though I haven't really done anything or gone anywhere. But (laughs) (laughs) the end of the year really can't come fast enough, to be honest. I agree. It's been a strange year. Definitely. Definitely. It's been quite interesting. We went out for our work Christmas party earlier this week on Thursday and it's the start of the America's Cup at the moment in Auckland so it was a bit strange to be in packed bars packed the whole viaduct was packed with people but it was it was like weird but also kind of nice because it felt a lot more normal you know than what it has been in the past yeah and Calgary it's gone a bit downhill again and we're now kind of in isolation again to a certain extent uh it's not quite as bad as what it was before but well at least you'll have Dan home for a bit of time I assume he gets time off for the Christmas holidays yes yeah but yeah, it's, it's like there's a lot of stuff that isn't open and it's kind of confusing because you're like, I'm not sure whether this place is open or not. And <laughs> like, what's the deal now? Because I know the rules have changed and who has changed them and who hasn't changed them. Can I go to this place? Well, yeah, it's just very confusing because it's not as strict as what it initially was, but then it's still very confusing as to right, what, some sort of what's actually open. Weird, intermediate level. Yeah, exactly. That does sound really annoying. Yeah. I've booked onto a basic life support course for my nursing because you have to have that before you're employable. And I, it's like a blended online one. So I'm doing like two hours of sort of online course. And then on the 2nd of January, I've got my in-class component. But yeah, that's another thing. It's like, well, is this course running per usual? I don't know. Like, am I going to get there and be like, no one's here? (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) You'll probably find out on the 2nd of January. They'll be like, oh, actually, sorry. There's no in-person component. And you're like, I'm already here. Precisely. So it'll be interesting. But yeah. (laughs) How has your writing been going? It's been very up and down. I think the past month. So we did start writing our new ancient Greece book and we, I think both of us, or you finished an extra one, had finished our first two chapters. My first two chapters were from the same person's point of view and set in ancient Greece. And I felt like I got quite a good handle on his voice in the end. And I kind of wished I could have just written all of his chapters. (laughs) got them out of the way but I think that would have been a bit difficult with like plot issues and things like that yeah but now I'm up to I guess our shared character and it's been a lot more challenging mostly because I was stuck in the mindset of the first one (laughs) and 
it's in a completely different setting, which has made it difficult as well. And Sarah had written the first chapter, so some of his voice was already set. So it's been a bit difficult having to try and fit it into that voice, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. But it's going. (laughs) What about you? So I started, I've done three chapters now and I'm on to the fourth. So the first two for me were the opposite. They were in modern day and they were two different characters. But then I struggled for my next one because Ashley had the one before it, which hasn't quite finished. And so then like it didn't alter it too much because I knew what was going to happen. But then at the same time, it was a little bit tricky because I was like, well, is something going to happen in this one beforehand that doesn't quite link it? And I was also writing this character in a, I'd gone from the modern day to ancient Greece. And as we discussed last time, it's a time travel series. So this character, I was writing him in a modern setting and then suddenly he's thrust into the past. (laughs) and It's like a totally (laughs) different setting and it's really hard to make something that is actually impossible seem believable as well. So I struggled quite a lot with that, especially as the character was in like denial. (laughs) I think you did a good job. It came across well. And I like that you're not, I feel like the only reason people might think he's in ancient Greece is because of my previous characters, two chapters that hints that that's where it's going. The readers are going to know. But, yeah but it's not but that's kind of okay yeah it's not super obvious he doesn't know yeah so I think I think it worked well yeah so it, it was challenging and then now I'm like back to the modern day again and yeah it's just <laughs> it's a bit the transitions is a bit confusing I don't think it'll read confusing it's just like quite jolting to change settings so often so because I also thought about writing all of Cassie's yeah yeah writing all of this one characters who's because all of hers are in the modern day so I thought about doing all of hers because the past plot line doesn't have an effect on her so I could potentially do all of hers mm-hmm. at once but then the problem is is that I really need to be keeping up with our joint character as well, or else Ashley's not going to be able to move forward at all, <laughs> which yeah. would be problematic. Because my, my other character is quite intertwined with our joint character. So that was the yes, one issue yeah. with if I was able to write the one that I write on my own, because their storylines are so in, like entangled. I think it would get really complicated. Yeah. So I'll just have to suffer through it. I think we'll get better. And I feel like hopefully being able to change voice to Cassie's voice will really help as well eventually once you get a bit more used to both characters you're like oh it's Cassie it's the present I sat down like yesterday and tried to start my fourth chapter and I I literally uh, literally I can't even say that today wrote um, you know chapter eight Cassie and then I couldn't do any (laughs) more And I just shut the laptop, moved away. And then this morning when I sat down, I kind of had an idea of how I was going to start it. And I got like 700 words down, which is pretty good for me in like in, I think an hour and a half or something. Oh yeah, so, that's good. Yeah, I wasn't too unhappy with that. It's a good effort. I'm going to try and finish my chapter today. I'm halfway. I think the hard bit's out of the way as well. So now it will be the exciting part. So I think I think I can I think it'll be all right. Got a lot of Christmas shopping to do today though, so we'll see if I get time. (laughs) 
we just do all ours online these days. Mm, smart. That's smart. <laughs> well, you know, it's my whole family's in New Zealand, so I just like order things online, send them to a family member who I've who this year it was my younger brother Matthew. And I was like, You're Santa this year. Here's some money for wrapping. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to go Christmas shopping yesterday. I left work a little bit early and all I managed to do was buy Riley a toy. And I was like, this has gone well. (laughs) That's the most important gift though, the one to the dog. My parents' dogs get so excited every Christmas. They try and open everyone's presents. So cute. I have a feeling Riley might do that. He loves to chew things. So I'm a bit worried we'll get to my parents' place with all the gifts and like five minutes later, be like wrapping paper shreds everywhere <laughs> probably oh dear anyways we should get started uh, with our main discussion yes do you want to explain what the plan tentatively is so we decided this time to read a few of our favorite passages from other books and have a bit of a discussion on the things that we like about them and we're also going to read a few passages from our own book. We decided with ours that so that we don't give the entire plot line away or anything, we've just chosen short passages from our first book because that was the other thing is that we if, if we included them from like the first, second and third, it would potentially be very confusing. <laughs> so we've Yes. We've used the first four chapters of our first book. But yeah, we'll get into that after reading through a few other ones from other people's books that we really like and which inspire us. Did you want to start first with yours? Sure. So during the first lockdown, I just before it happened, like maybe two weeks before it happened, I went to a secondhand book sale and I had always wanted to read some Stephen King, but I was a bit worried because I don't do well with scary things. <laughs> and a couple friends of mine who also don't do well with scary things had tried some of his novels and couldn't finish them because they were too scared. So I did not choose those those books of his. So I chose another book uh, called The Stand, which in hindsight maybe wasn't the best choice because it's about <laughs> a pandemic. It's supposed to be really good, that one, though. Uh, a pandemic and the virus strain has, uh, they kill 99.9% of the people it infects. So I didn't really realize that was what it was about uh, when I purchased it. I just thought it was a survival story with like a sort of like a dark prince type character going through it. I uh, started reading it during the first lockdown and it's <laughs> like, ah, It's also about a pandemic. This is great. But it has been, I'm about halfway through, which is saying something because it is almost 1,500 pages. So I'm halfway through, which I think is a a good achievement. But there was one passage that really stood out to me when I was reading it. So that's the first one I've decided to share. It comes from chapter 23, which is, I don't know, within the first 200 pages, I think. So here we go. In Mountain City, there was a man named Christopher Bradenton who would see that he had a clean car and some clean papers and then the country would come alive in all its glorious possibilities. A body politic with its network of roads embedded in its skin like marvellous capillaries ready to take him, the dark speck of foreign matter, anywhere or everywhere. Heart, liver, lights, brain. He was a clot looking for a place to happen, a splinter of bone hunting a soft organ to puncture. A lonely lunatic cell looking for a mate. 
they would set up a housekeeping and raise themselves a cozy little malignant tumor. I just love the metaphor that he has created with this, especially because it's obviously a book about a pandemic and health sort of related things. And this is this is describing one of the characters to put it into context. Right. Yeah. And I just find the words that he's used is very, it's like quite dark and haunting, but also relates really well back to, I guess, the overall theme of the book, which I quite like. What, what did you think? Just kind of getting that one little passage. I quite like the last sentence of it. You know, he was looking, oh, he was a clot looking for a place to happen, a splinter of a bone hunting a soft organ to puncture, a lonely lunatic cell looking for a mate. They would set up housekeeping and raise themselves a cosy little malignant tumour. Yeah, the metaphor of children being <laughs> being tumours is quite interesting. I enjoy it. Uh, I just, I remember reading it and I turned to James and I was like, this is a great piece of writing. He was inspired in this moment because it just works so well. And the, the images that it conjures up when you read it, you're like, oh, this isn't a great person. It's very, I just think it's very clever. Like, yeah, the, the words that he's used, yeah, to bring that whole pandemic feel to it. And, mm-hmm. you know, also describe a very everyday kind of situation of like two people looking for love and then creating a family. And it's like a very dark <laughs> interpretation of that (laughs) yes yes yeah I guess fits with his genre as well yeah he's a very clever writer yes I I agree I I agree clever writers (laughs) me too too. I hope I will I will one day be one but (laughs) it's what I aspire to (laughs) work in progress right yeah um what's what's your first little uh excerpt that you want to share so if you've read the blog you will know that for us for our novels a comparison is the john marsden series the tomorrow when the war began series and when i was a teenager i really loved his books i just felt like they were so action-packed and they really keep you on the edge of your seat the entire time and even his, even when there's not action going on, it's still very, very good writing. And so I, I did struggle to choose. I knew that I wanted to choose from one of his books. He, I think there's about seven to that series. And so I did actually quite struggle to choose like just one little section from them. But in the end, I ended up looking in his second novel, which is The Dead of the Night. And the quote comes from chapter five. I was feeling pretty unusual walking back across the paddocks. I imagined a huge shadow of me was moving across the sky, attached to me and keeping pace with my little body on the earth. It scared me, really scared me, but I couldn't escape it. It loomed over me, a silent dark creature growing out of my feet. I knew that if I reached out to feel it, I would feel nothing. That's the way shadows are. But all the same, the air around me seemed colder and darker as the shadow clung to me. I wondered if this was the way my life would always be from now on. And if for every person I killed, the shadow would grow larger, darker, more monstrous. I do love John Marsden. Yeah, so I just, 
I kind of felt like that was a really good way of like showing her guilt and how her guilt was just continually growing into like this monster and this thing. It seems like it's one of those passages that makes you feel what she's feeling. A lot of emotive words in there. So when you read it out, you could sort of like you felt exactly the way she was feeling, which I always like in books. Yeah, he has quite a narrative style. Um I think like reading through his series, you certainly, it's hard to explain because it's not like, it's not disruptive to your reading experience. It's not like, you know, someone's preaching to you, this happened and then that happened and that happened. Like you still feel in the experience with the character, but she, she does tell it very much like a story. um, The character does. And I think he really gets a handle on her voice like right from the very start which Mm -hmm. yeah really helps you imagine exactly what she's feeling and what she's thinking every step of the way so you become quite attached to her as a reader reading this character and you can quite relate with her I really like the last sentence of that paragraph (laughs) that I wondered if this was the way my life would always be from now on and if every person I killed the shadow would grow larger darker more monstrous I like it it's one of those um, sort of foreboding sentences where you're like, oh, how many more people is she going to kill? What's going to happen yes. to her? Raises lots of questions. Especially when you, you're thinking this is only the second book out of seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like she goes on like this downward spiral from book one. I also loved that series. I remember we used to read it not together, but together, if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like little mini book club study. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I actually bought Tomorrow When the War Began. Oh, at the same, um, oh no, at a secondhand book sale recently. I saw it there and I'd been, I'd lost, well, I thought I had a copy, but it turns out I didn't have the first one. I've got right. a couple from in the middle. So might read that over Christmas again. It's very I don't good. often reread books, so that's saying something. I love that series. I can reread it a million times. And it's funny because it's just one, I guess everyone has that book in their teenage years that they grow quite attached to. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to continue with your next passage? Yes. So I was going to say, speaking of books that I might reread, given I barely reread books ever, my next choice comes from a novel called Song of the Hills, which probably has to be one of my absolute favourite books I have read as an adult. It's by a lady called Margaret Evans, and it is kind of, it's one of those stories that follows someone's life. Usually I'm not super into those kind of books. It's set in the 1900s when she's a child and it goes through both world wars but she has the gift of sight so she's slightly psychic but very it's like sounds weird tastefully psychic so she doesn't so she doesn't know how to control it and just occasionally she has these visions and obviously she goes through quite a lot in her life uh, both world wars and she's in a poor steelworks town in Wales and uh, it's just one of those books where it like really hits you hard in your heart. So I would highly recommend it. And there's a sequel as well. But the quote that I'm about to read to you comes from chapter six. It's about basically her father. Go with that. So here we go. He recalls the nights in the trenches, watching such skies, stomach hollow with fear. 
He thinks how it will be, telling this to his children when he gets back. Imagines Joe's face wrapped with attention, and Hannah half fascinated, half horrified, but sparing them the worst, of course. And the fear. They'd not understand the fear. They'd need to be here to understand that. Thomas prays that never will his children know the like of Passchendaele. A bomb explodes quite near, and he lies back, waiting for the planes to pass. Then he hears a whistling, unpleasant whine, getting louder, and seconds later, the tent disappears in a blinding, billowing light. Her whole book is written like this. It's just so um, intense and very emotional, but I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, that's all I've got to say. I just really enjoy her style. I like the descriptive terms, especially the billowing light. Mm -hmm. You can really imagine just how it like the light just fans out yeah, um, and encompasses everything. Yes, yes. <laughs> and the wine before the bomb explodes as well, the whistling yes. unpleasant wine. It's one of those passages where you can feel something's coming from the start, but you're not quite sure where it's going. And then as you get further through, you're kind of like, uh-oh, this isn't <laughs> going to end well for this character. Oh no, oh no. But yeah, it's an excellent, excellent book. I'd recommend it. I think both of the ones that you chose has got me like, oh, I really want to read those now. <laughs> I'm going to have to put them on my reading list. Yeah, you should. You should. The, um, the tagline for the Song of the Hills is a haunting story of love and war, which I appreciate because she can see ghosts and it makes me really happy that that's how they've sold it. It's, it's yeah, it's very good. So my next one which most people will know of, uh, I decided to read Gone Girl. I'd actually seen the movie ages ago, so I already sort of knew what happened, but I'd never read the book until this year. And so I, if you've listened to other episodes, uh, my own book that I've been working on by myself is a psychological thriller and so this one was kind of like a little bit of research for that in terms of trying to read within the genre. And yeah, like I, it's just really well crafted and it's quite fascinating to read it, especially, well, it's like an unreliable narrator that she, the mechanism that she uses to tell the, to tell the story. So you're never quite sure sort of what's going on mm -hmm. and this one packet a uh, passage package <laughs> this one kind passage, of a package of words really it it actually goes on a little bit beforehand but i didn't want to make it like too long so i just chose like a short bit at the end of it um but yeah it's i'll read it now anyways <laughs> The news report would show Nick Dunn, husband of the missing woman, standing metallically next to his father-in-law, arms crossed, eyes glazed, looking almost bored as Amy's parents wept, and then worse. My long-time response, the need to remind people I wasn't a dick, I was a nice guy despite the affectless stare, the haughty douchebag face. So there it came, out of nowhere, as Rand begged for his daughter's return. A killer smile. I like it. I love how the character's described. It's one of those ones where you can picture it completely just from uh, what they've put down, which I Yeah, so I, I like. should, should say this is from his own viewpoint. Like he's looking back on himself as he's mm -hmm. watching the broadcast and just feeling like shit. 
And you can tell that. Yeah. You can tell that from the, just from the short passage. But yeah, I, I love that. Um, in it, you know, he, he's just seeing himself and, and he knows his flaws and he's kind of developed like this way mm-hmm. of trying to make himself seem friendly, but then it, it comes off really wrong. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you can really kind of feel that and you're really kind of cringing for him as you're reading this, this Definitely. paragraph. <laughs> Definitely. But then also at the same time, you're wondering, is he a killer? <laughs> Cause it's still, you know, it's, it's a possibility. Yeah. So I think it was quite well done that whole book. Mm-hmm. So I was about to ask, did you enjoy it overall? I haven't, I haven't read it. I've seen the movie, but I haven't read the book. I really enjoy it from, especially like a writer's viewpoint, I think. Right. I do think that she potentially goes a little bit far in some respects with, I, and I know I've heard like other people comment on this before where they couldn't connect with some of the characters because, right. um, I mean, it's told by the, the viewpoint of two characters, which is Nick and sort of real time. And then Amy, his wife, the woman who was missing through her diary. And so I always feel like Nick is the main protagonist of that story. And I think he is relatable and even Amy's relatable, but because there's her diary, it's a little bit more distant. Um, right. And because you're trying to relate with Nick at the same time, it's a bit confusing. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> Cause yeah. And yeah. And especially if you've seen the movie, then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, I'm not going to spoil it in case no someone hasn't, but yes, it, I think it, it is a little bit hard to relate with some of the characters, um, depending on whose side you kind of take. Right. It makes it hard to read the other viewpoint because you're like, oh, really? <laughs> do I have to read her right now? Or do I have to read him even mm-hmm. because that he's not exactly a saint either? So Right. <laughs> yeah interesting but it is very well um crafted and yeah she uses the unreliable narrator um, mechanism very well maybe i'll have to give it a go yeah <laughs> get a coffee out from the library and read it <laughs> yeah that's what Add I it did. to my just... ever-growing pile of books to read i'm terrible i'm terrible with reading books i uh, i will i will try <laughs> Um, Should we move on to some passages about our book? Yes, I'm so excited for this. So Sarah and I thought it would be fun if we chose passages from each other's writing. So uh, for a bit of context, our our book's multi-perspective and Sarah writes the perspectives of Lizzie and Dylan. And then I write the perspectives of Grace and Levi. So I picked the one excerpt from one of Lizzie's chapters and an excerpt from one of Dylan's chapters. So it should be good. I'm excited. I picked one from Grace and one from Levi. I think the best way to do this would be to do it in order of the chapters because we, as I explained before, we chose excerpts from the first four chapters. So I'll go first with Levi who writes chapter one. Ashley who wrote chapter one but no No, Levi wrote chapter one (laughs) that's what it feels like sometimes when you (laughs) 
so this is kind of like in in the midst of the action Dylan reached the front door first. I came up behind him and immediately felt like something was wrong. The night was still, except for the rain pounding on the veranda, but an undercurrent of unease made the hairs on my arms stand up in alarm. To top it off, the front door swung on its hinges with the wind, banging rhythmically against the doorframe. What the hell, Dylan said as we both stared at it. I don't like this, I said. All my instincts told me to run. Is anyone home? Dylan called out. Is everyone okay? No answer. Hello? Dylan said, louder this time. Nothing. It looks like the place has been broken into it. Should we go in? I asked. Or maybe we should just call the police. It does. Someone might be hurt though, Dylan said. We should check just in case. I ignored the feeling in my gut that told me to get the hell out of there and stepped forward. I pushed the door open, revealing a long, dark hallway. I glanced back at Dylan, who encouraged me forward with a small nod. With an air of false confidence, I stepped into the dark house. My sodden shoes squelched along the wood floor, and water dripped from my soaked clothes. I crept down the hallway with Dylan at my back. So yeah, this is just when things are beginning to happen. And I've noticed that Ashley's getting really good at weaving in description to build tension. And I really like how she painted a, a scene that's sort of growing ever more sort of disturbingly wrong. And you could really visualize it. But also there's like pieces throughout her writing that really tell us about the characters. Like Levi, he gets scared, but then never wants to admit it. And then the air <laughs> of false Levi. confidence. Yeah, it's just Levi down to a T. So he's just like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> everything's all good but actually it's really really not <laughs> but then also like it's not really seen here but Ashley did a really great job at showing both his fear and though it's not really explained in this particular excerpt how his backstory kind of makes him more cautious than Dylan who sort of attributes the scene to more everyday occurrences and is a bit more in denial than Levi about what's going on. So I thought that was really interesting. I'm glad you enjoyed this part. <laughs> Funnily enough, one of my favorite sentences from the entire first chapter was the one that you chose. It's the, the to top it off the front door song on its hinges with the wind banging rhythmically against the doorframe. For some reason, yeah. that's like weirdly my favorite sentence from that whole chapter. So when I saw it in there, I was like, oh, she liked it too. <laughs> I do. I really like that first sort of scene as they're coming in because it it suddenly like starts to go downhill really fast <laughs> yeah um, especially and you're they... just like oh my god what is going on <laughs> something's gonna happen especially because yeah. obviously the part before is not in there but it gets a little it's like not too suspicious but you're like mm, something might be a bit off yeah so I think we've just explained this before but just to put it in context as well which it doesn't really give anything away if I say this, because if you were to buy the book, it would be in the blurb <laughs> anyways. <laughs> yes. um, so our book is about a war that breaks out in New Zealand. And so this is their first indication that something has happened. So yes. it was quite an exciting kind of, <laughs> kind of read when you start getting into the, the action in that scene. I guess this then flows on to... Um... Lizzie's chapter, which is chapter two, and the section I've chosen is actually the first two paragraphs of this chapter, and 
I think once I read them out, you'll probably understand why I chose them. Okay. Looming purple clouds blotted out the evening sun, and in a hurry, the rain came. Living rurally, I was well used to the sudden nature of it, especially now in springtime. Before long, the paddocks were swamped with deep puddles and the sheep huddled under a dripping tree, staring bleakly back at the house and cursing us for their freshly shorn coats. Not that I felt sorry for them. I was still bruised, black and blue, from helping Dad wrangle them for the shearer, who hadn't been impressed with our amateurish methods and our kit-set yarding system. It was clear we were new to sheep farming. Cattle had been much easier, but no one in New Zealand ran cattle anymore. I love scene setting so much. <laughs> I really do. And I think the connotations that you chose for this passage, Sarah, are spot on. The words like blooming, blotted, swamped, huddled, and bleakly, you get a very vivid picture of the scene that Lizzie is describing to us. And it also like helps evoke uh, some emotions of the time as well, because you haven't picked like, you know, you can have happy springtime rain with flowers <laughs> and, you know, oh, the grass is wet, but I could smell it and blah, blah, blah. This is not the picture that you paint. And <laughs> you, right from the beginning, get a sense that something is wrong and things aren't going particularly well. And then you get to the second paragraph, which sounds normal. You know, it's a soggy day on a farm. And then there are but then a few points like come into it that make you question <laughs> things like why is it kit set why can't New Zealand run cattle anymore and so you get this this feeling that you're seeing something very normal but there's some undercurrent in there that really doesn't sit right and that's actually one of my favorite ways of starting chapters I don't know if I think we talked about it in one of our other podcasts where I said I really like it when or books or even chapters open with a situation that is a bit unusual and it makes the reader ask questions about it and then they have to yeah. fight, re keep reading, right, to figure out what's going on. And so I think this, the beginning of this chapter definitely does that. Yeah. It's interesting, like, since, because, well, it's not entirely rewritten, especially even that beginning part, but we did, when we went through and, like, fixed the first few chapters, I tried to build that setting a little bit more and yeah the, it is a piece of writing that I'm like yes I like the the start of it too because it does really feel like if I grew up on a New Zealand farm and so it really does feel very New Zealand except for that last line with the, mm -hmm. the cattle because if you know anything about New Zealand dairy is one of our major exports so it's kind of like what the yeah. hell has happened like why don't they run cattle anymore that's really strange and why suddenly sheep now yeah so i enjoy it very enjoyed it very much and yeah i have also had the fun of wrangling sheep for the share <laughs> so like i can relate to lizzie if you're not used to it you do get bruised a bit black and blue <laughs> I like that you're able to put actual experience into this, into this yeah. chapter. It helps. I wouldn't have been able to do it as well. I've never lived on a farm. I've never <laughs> wrangled sheep. I would have had to Google it. How to wrangle sheep. Uh, I just remember this one. You, when you've got the yarding systems, you open one gate to let it through to where the share is sharing. And then you have to, like, you have several in a chute and you kind of work the gates to be able to let them in and out. 
but they don't always do what you want them to do. And we <laughs> opened the gate to let this one sheep go. And the next one decided that they wanted to go too. <laughs> and they like dove forward and I just leapt oh on it, grabbed his fleece. And then because I'm a very small person and this sheep was quite a large, very strong <laughs> sheep, it literally pulled me a meter in the oh next God. direction. And I like slammed into, because they have these tall handles that stick up from the, the gate that you can use to open and shut the gate with. And I just slammed into this handle and I was like, ow. And then dad's trying to get it back in. I'm just hanging on for dear life. But that's my experience of sheep shearing. I'm hilariously imagining imagining this as like a boss battle. Sarah it really was a large sheep. It's <laughs> <laughs> that entire day. I was so exhausted afterwards. <laughs> oh God. And it didn't help that the sheep had all broken through a fence and stuff. So we had to, before we even got them into the yarding system, because mum and dad had cut the fences when, because they, they moved their, they had a house that they moved and I'm trying to explain this, an actual house that they moved and put on a piece of land. So they had to cut the fences to be able to get the house in because they got a nice new villa that they did up and stuff. Well, not new villa, old villa that they did up. Anyways, <laughs> so they hadn't fully repaired the fence and the grass was so long that we couldn't actually see that the bottom wires of the fence were missing. So. Most of the morning was spent rounding the sheep back into the paddock. (laughs) And then the rest of the afternoon was spent in hot sun shearing these sheep. And it was the most exhausting day of my life. (laughs) That sounds really exhausting. (laughs) But but speaking of moving, physically moving houses, the other day, so to put it into context, James and I live down a shared driveway so like basically the driveway runs in front of our house and there's four houses like you know we're the third one down so there's like one two three four five and across the driveway there's a fence and then on the other side there's more houses um, like a complex of houses there's like four or five houses with, yeah anyways we we're like hmm that's a weird noise it's probably nine o'clock at night lots of beeping and things and we we're like mm, that's very strange but didn't think anything of it wake up in the morning I opened the curtains and they had moved five houses. Five. They were there in the, the evening. And by the time morning came around, they were all gone. So now there's a clear like sightline from our house to the road that's probably well five houses away. It's just this hole. It's hilarious. <laughs> How did I miss them moving five houses? That is so funny. Anyways. It's so, so confused. We're both like, <laughs> and in the night, magically, five houses disappeared. Yeah, they must have been working really oh my quick. Goodness. So yeah, that <laughs> reminded me of the vanishing houses. It was literally two nights ago. That's funny. So I'll move on to to Grace's yes. one in chapter three. Okay. The sound of truck tires crunching on gravel silenced us. I rushed to the window and cracked the blinds. Two army trucks crawled up the drive, their headlights beaming harshly. Soldiers are here, I whispered as I backed away. 
That's our cue to run, Levi said, his voice low as he ran to the back door. Come on. Dylan was right on his heels. Go, Lizzie, Jaden said as he dashed into the kitchen and pulled a butcher's knife from the drawer. Lizzie followed Jaden into the kitchen. But Jaden, go, Jaden ordered, giving Lizzie a little push. I grabbed Lizzie's wrist. Come on, Lizzie, I said, as we stumbled together to the back door where Levi was frantically trying to open the ranch slider. Heavy boots pounded up the wet path to the front of the house. Levi jiggled the key in the lock, frustrated. Damn it, it's stuck. It does that sometimes, Lizzie said, pushing her way to the front and taking over. Let me do it. Elizabeth Watson, open up. This is an order, a man yelled as he bashed his fist against the front door. My heart pounded against my ribcage as the furious knocking continued. Hurry the hell up, Dylan said. Elizabeth Watson, open the door. This is your final warning. I got it, Lizzie said, sliding open the door and revealing the storm raging outside. Levi and Dylan sprinted out into the night, but it was too late for us. <laughs> this is typical. <laughs> no. <I> just always. <laughs> That's something I was going to talk about. Um, <laughs> Sorry, continue. So, yeah, sometimes, well, I firstly comment on the way that Ashley built tension into this part of the chapter. Um, sometimes it's the smallest thing that plays a really significant role in the way tension develops. So instead of simply rushing out the door, the key gets stuck um, and they're all struggling to get out the back door while there's soldiers like pounding on the front door. And again, Ashley really weaves in words that describe Grace's mindset. Uh, you can really tell that it's Grace. Uh, we've talked about this before, how Grace and Lizzie are very different, particularly like just using certain words that kind of show how Grace is really dark and fearful and very pessimistic. Like she rushes, she whispers and backs away, she stumbles, her heart pounds. But then most telling that we're reading from Grace's point of view is the last sentence, it was too late for us because they're not even caught at this point and she's already given up. It is very, uh, very Grace-like. Um, and yeah, the other characters are really on point with their actions, especially Lizzie when yes. she says, let me do it because that's basically... <laughs> Takes over, pushes in front. Yeah, that's Lizzie all over. And... Jaden's trying to tell her to like run and to go and she's like but because <laughs> she never does what but she's no. told <laughs> that's very accurate for for Lizzie yes. she, she's very stubborn it is it is quite very stubborn I feel like her it's very well done to show like all those things in such a small paragraph yeah so this is, like, I guess, one of the first times all of these characters are together. In yes, the book. yeah. So I was going to say that. So Levi and Dylan kind of go to them for help. So that's kind of how they all end up together because, yeah, Levi and Dylan wandering around the countryside. <laughs> yeah, on their own with a gun. It'd be such a strange sight if, you know, if imagine if they had been wrong in their assumption that things were a bit off and you just see them creeping around. <laughs> the back street it's kind of no wonder how like we won't go no, into it because you'll have to read the book but I think yeah we both did quite well in making it believable <laughs> and their reactions to all the stuff that's happening so 
Yeah, it, it does kind of help that we went back and rewrote it because we already had a very good feel for these characters. Yes, yeah. So this is after quite a few edits. If mm -hmm. we read the, maybe one day we'll do a read of the first ever draft because we, we still, we keep all our drafts. So, um, and you will see just how vastly different it is <laughs> and how embarrassing. <laughs> we'll have to work out courage before we even show that, I think. Yes. Yes, if I we think you show it. <laughs> I, it will definitely make other people, I think, feel better about their writing. Yes. And people don't start off. Maybe we'll share scared. that when hopefully we've published this and received compliments and hopefully <laughs> Not good <terrible> reviews. <laughs> Cross our fingers for good reviews, because if we get terrible reviews and it's like, well, you didn't <laughs> see the first one. <laughs> Maybe we should do that, you know, like put out the first one and then be like, now read the actual one. And then we'll get all good reviews when they read the first one. Yeah, like, wow. And then compare so it. So much better. <laughs> Alrighty. So the last little reading we have is from Dylan's chapter. So that's chapter four. And because both of the passages Sarah picked, it was more by virtue of, I think, the chapters more than anything else were quite action packed. I decided to basically purposely choose sort of different style like different things for Lizzie and Dylan's chapter so Lizzie's I picked the scene setting at the start and I'll just read you Dylan's now looks like we're in the eye of the storm Lizzie muttered staring up at the moon something like that I agreed with the clear sky above I noticed the small tendrils of dawn's light beginning to break through the dark you know every time I close my eyes I see him die Lizzie said her voice shaking I didn't know what to say so I dug my hands into the pockets of my jacket and looked at her with sympathy. Do you think it will go away? She asked, trembling. I glanced downward as the face of the soldier I'd killed reared up. No, I said honestly, but after a while, it might lose some of its sting and some of the power to hurt you, I said with a hopeful smile. I prayed the same would be true for me. This is probably one of my favourite uh, conversations between Lizzie and Dylan. I've always really liked it. Uh, it's obviously, it's gone through a number of different iterations through many different drafts but I've always really really liked it and I think it's because it feels real and raw which is something that's very unusual for Lizzie because she's not often vulnerable and this is probably one yes. of the few moments without throughout the series where she's where she one admits she's vulnerable and kind of allows people in a little bit I also really like this piece because it feels natural and people actually talk like that because I read it out and it didn't feel weird if that makes any sense like it felt yeah, like yeah. it's exactly how people in that situation would say these things which I think is really important um, with dialogue because sometimes you you read passages and you're like people would never say this ever or <laughs> you know the conversation goes and it feels very robotic or it doesn't feel like true to the characters or anything but I think this one definitely is especially because Dylan's Dylan's quite a sensitive guy and I think that comes across a very contemplative as well and I think it comes across uh, very very on point for this. I really like the the paragraph as well just because it's the first time as well that Dylan and Lizzie actually ever really talk by themselves and not with 
because you know they've only really just met um yeah <laughs> but i really like it i also quite like in all it's four really of the passages cool. we've chosen i feel that you can tell that it's all different perspectives they're all quite different yeah the way that yeah. things are written which i appreciate we tried very hard to make them very distinct voices i think we have pretty good handles on them all now i think so too i mean we we do like edit each other so it's if we had to write from the other characters we we can it's not mm -hmm. like ashley's never written lizzie stuff or i've never written grace stuff or whatever but i think we probably would struggle a bit more with each other's characters but we do sort of know and have a handle on who they are so that in our mm -hmm. characters when they talk to them we can make them respond in appropriate ways <laughs> yeah no I, th I think so we lizzie ob obviously like when i write things from lizzie's uh, perspective it's it, it's a bit harder and sarah will often fix minor things like oh she probably wouldn't use that word or maybe she wouldn't you know do that gesture or whatever but i do think we mostly have them down yeah is there anything else you wanted to add about any of the passages or anything i think so i think it's been like a little nice just going over them are we moving on to mistakes of the month yet because I've, yeah. I've already got one that i just found which is not actually <laughs> i didn't plan <laughs> on this but as i was reading i came across this mistake and i was like oh really like another one <laughs> which means we're probably gonna have to change it and then <laughs> i gabbed lizzie's wrist oh no what <laughs> i gabbed oh it's <laughs> fine like, seriously <laughs> i was reading it and i i was almost gonna say something when i finished reading it but fortunately i didn't actually read it out but yep even as we copy it out and into a new document Ugh. i still didn't catch that until now <laughs> this is why reading out loud works <laughs> yes <laughs> oh, oh my goodness, goodness. <laughs> oh dear Anyways, well i guess we'll we're on to the stakes of the month yeah <laughs> the stakes of the month. would you like to kind of well carry on from that i guess sure because we've been writing our new ancient greece novel i have had quite a few crop up i think these are all from one chapter after i'd done the first draft of it and then went went over it again i don't even know how to say this character's name i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna give it a go i'm gonna That's give funny, it a go because i was just thinking that i'm gonna go with Corantidus is what i'm gonna go with yeah that sounds Corantidus is, is what i'm gonna say, start with so here we go it says Corantidus said as he ran his finger through his long gray beard it was supposed to be fingers and i was going to leave it but then i was you know imagining the scene in my mind and the image of a man running like a single finger through his long gray beard made me laugh so much that i had to change it <laughs> it's kind of one of those ones where you almost wouldn't notice but yes when now that you like mention it just like one finger like just kind of like stroking down his beard <laughs> Was, yeah so originally yeah, i was like oh it's not a big deal and then it's like mm, actually i might change it so i i did change it to fingers so the next one still the same chapter it was so it's a politically adept man would let sparta pass through without causing an indecent instead of incident <laughs> <laughs> that one took quite i read through it quite a few times before i found that one 
How indecent. I know. Cool wasn't indecent. What was he going to do? <laughs> and then the final one, uh, actually, I did find another one before, so I might read that one out later. So the final one, as Lycus approached, Leontiati stepped into his bath instead of path. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> it's no. casually like stepping into a bath. I was like, oh my it's gosh. It's possible in ancient Greece. It, it is possible. Um, <laughs> it was very out of context though, because they're walking through the city. Someone's like, he's following another character and steps out in front. And I was like, oh, steps into his bath. <laughs> I'm going to see if That's I have funny. my other one up that I found yesterday. Shall I tell, yeah. tell mine while you look yeah. at it? So I only really had one, but... So it was a missed word mistake, which turned out to be quite hilarious. <laughs> when I was writing, I found a piece that was meant to say she chewed on her bottom lip, still unsure. However, I left out the word lip by accident and it became she chewed on her bottom, still unsure. That's amazing. <laughs> Oh, that's so that's a really, really weird image. <laughs> I'm just imagining. I get images of my puppy at the moment because he always like tries to like bite, you know, and they're like itchy. So I'm just like, eh. oh yeah, I did have one more. It was really minor, but I've done this a couple times actually. Somehow I accidentally called our protagonist Simon a she at one point. Simon tried not to sigh. Sure, she said. <laughs> It's just kind of funny because, you know, I've been going through my other book, Changing these Genders, and then suddenly I get all these popping up of our main character our book. being a she, which I'm like, whoops. <laughs> but yes. All right. I did find my other one. This one was from yesterday. Okay. So this is from Simon's chapter, which I'm currently attempting to write and this kind of highlights the difficulties I have been having I think so it says Simon stepped down and stripped into the shower it was meant to be Simon stripped and stepped down into the shower <laughs> but I was like what the hell have I just written so Simon stepped down and stripped into the shower that's how it works in his world I'm just imagining him like clothes flying off <laughs> I was going to say I wouldn't put that past him, though. I ended up deleting the whole sentence, but I thought it was hilarious. Oh, but anyway, so yes, that was the one I found yesterday. I've had quite a few amusing ones. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I'm glad Mistakes of the Month's back yes. properly now that we've got actual things to share. I agree. So last time we mentioned that we would be making some goals for next year, considering it's the end of the year now. So we have actually gone away and made some goals. Would you like to share yours first, Ashley? Sure. So I've kind of done a sh some short-term goals and then a more long-term one as well. So uh, the short-term one was fairly straightforward. We would really like to get our books published, especially our teen fiction series. And we're open to either method of publishing, either traditional or self-publishing. So I guess if the at the moment we've been uh, sending it out to some agents and things, querying, and if that kind of falls through, we will hopefully start up our company and then get that sorted so that we can start self-publishing them, which will be exciting. I feel like it's been a long time coming. Yes, very. And then on top of that, 
I'd like to finish our current historical fiction novel, which I think will be a challenge. Like we'll be able to do it. Like we'll be able to do it. I think it's going to be definitely a challenge because it's a lot more obviously complicated and um, different to what we've written in the past. But I I'm... think editing might be a challenge for it. This <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> I think so too. Not really looking forward to that part. <laughs> no, mm. we might have to. I don't even. I'm not, not going to think about the editing. Um, so also, uh, I did set a longer term goal. So sort of thinking within the next 10 years ish. I've mentioned, I think briefly that I do have a couple ideas for my own novels, but I still feel like I'm not a good enough writer or mature enough basically to do it justice. So I would really like to grow enough as a writer to be able to write the novels I really want to write well they're both set like world war one world war two so I really want to make sure that I do it you know right and well right. what about you yeah so I also did short-term goals and long-term goals and I would like to get our books published too, but to be specific, if we haven't had any method through traditional publishing, I was going to make a goal of incorporating our company of Linderson Creations in March um, with view of having our first book, When the Rain Falls, um, potentially indie published by mid-year and The Price of Pandemonium and Darkness Set Us Free to follow. Obviously, dependent on how our querying goes and... Um, sort of other things like if we did get picked up by a traditional publisher then that we probably wouldn't see these books being published for like another good year probably but there's you know that's that's the plan and I guess you know goals don't always have to follow no, and it definitely through, seems, so. it seems like a realistic timeline as well yeah yeah I think um definitely doable also I would like to finish our current ancient Greece novel by the end of the year and hopefully have started planning our next book, whether that be the second Ancient Greece novel or the next in our teen fiction series. Um, I'm not sure, but one, probably one of those two. Yeah, I'm not sure which one it would be either. We might be sick of Ancient Greece by then. Just like yeah, we get I'm sick thinking of writing it might in a be like a, brain. Might do like a one-to-one -one kind of thing. See, we'll see, though. Um, I'd also like to finish editing my own book and get that on the way to publishing, um, whether it be traditional indie, I haven't quite decided yet. So hmm. yeah, in the long-term 10-year plan, I'm hoping to be able to earn enough money through my writing to be able to decrease the work that I do for a paid salary. Obviously at the moment, I'm still not working, but <laughs> <laughs> so I am like, this is just my job. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully next year I will be nursing again very soon. And my ideal vision is about two days, like one to two days of nursing per week and then the rest of it in, in writing. That sounds ideal. Yeah, well, I, you know, I have had a significant amount of time just being at home and simply having the writing. And even before that, like I think I've mentioned once before, I did like a year of studying where I was working as well. And I was doing like study most of the time and then I was working like one day a week and for me that just feels like a really good balance because you still get a bit of the social you still keep your skills like as up to date and mm -hmm. as far as like the nursing and you still get that problem solving and 
the sort of stuff that nursing offers me because it's quite a you know a technical um career that has you know it's it's constantly evolving and things are constantly changing and you need to keep up to date so yeah I quite enjoy that aspect of the career and I have really missed it and so I would never probably want to go like completely full-time writing but uh certainly having like a better balance would be really nice yeah. and being able to kind of choose between having having the option to choose would be nice you know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds like a really great plan <laughs> so yes that is my goals hopefully I, I, we kind of structured it so that we do like initial goals and then 10-year goals because I always feel five years or like kind of at that middle range where like you're not quite sure what the heck's going to happen at five years yeah <laughs> You could ten years. It's kind of like oh, you've got a little bit more time if yeah. you haven't quite managed to. <laughs> yeah, but we'll see. I have heard other podcasts that I've listened to. The Creative Pen, for example, um, is one of the ones that I listen to quite regularly. It's interesting to see other writers' progression mm-hmm. towards their goals, and it seems that I mean, not everyone is you know fully author entrepreneur by. <laughs> two years or five years but the amount of stuff you can do in a short in five years time is actually probably quite a lot Mm -hmm. um so it would be nice to see if we could achieve those goals earlier than 10 years but you never know do you want to put too much pressure on yourself yeah exactly we've given ourselves (laughs) some sort of bar (laughs) to work towards shall we announce our exciting changes for the coming up definitely should so as we were kind of going over our goals we did revisit the things that we're doing to grow our author platform like this podcast we looked at our blog because you know it has been a year now since we started our blog and just kind of trying to assess what things are working for us what things we enjoy and where we want to head with them in the future so i don't know whether do you want to I can explain. So both of us really enjoy recording these podcasts, whether or not, you know, a lot of you listen to them remains to be seen, but we enjoy recording them. And it feels less like a chore than sometimes writing our blog posts feel like. So we thought we might put a bit more energy into expanding our podcast. But unfortunately, that means it will take out a bit of time of our blog posts. So our blog posts are going to move from being weekly to bi-weekly so not too much of a change yeah so you'll hear from each of us like once a month so I'll write in one two week slot and then there'll be two weeks and then Ashley will write so you can obviously see where we're headed with that (laughs) (laughs) and instead of that um, we're going to start sort of expanding our podcast so our usual podcast like so this one that you listen to today will still continue monthly but we're going to be adding in some mini series which will come out weekly basically which means that in one given month you will have our usual main podcast plus uh, one episode from each of our mini series yes so the first one of our mini series we are calling creative life and it's going to be about how we culture creativity in our everyday happenings and whatnot. And I think we might leave the names of the other two, keep them under wraps until the next episode. We're going to start in the new year doing this. So there'll be probably, I think there's a period 
of just over a week. I think that we're set for the first Creative Life one to come out on, I think it's the fourth, because we're going to change the day is the other thing that we're going to do. Um, so rather having it coming out on Friday when everyone's sort of getting into the weekend and we figure, you know, it's easier for you to listen in the car during the week. So we're moving it earlier on in the week, but we didn't want to have them too close together. So we just decided to start in the new year and the first one's going to come out sort of on in the night of the fourth. So by the Tuesday, the fifth, it will be available for you, the first Creative Life episode. Yes. And in that Creative Life episode, we are going to be talking about how we can culture creativity through going out into nature. How does us being in the outdoors inspire creativity? Yes. Very yes, excited about that. will be very one. exciting to talk about, I think. I'm going to enjoy it. But anyway, so I hope everyone enjoyed today's podcast. There's going to be some exciting changes in our podcast in the new year. Like always, if you have any mistakes of the month, please send them through. You can contact us through the contact form on our website, which is lindersoncreations.com. Or you can get in touch through Instagram. Sarah is fairly active on Instagram at the moment. <laughs> so she, I'm sure she'll give you a timely response. And Facebook. Did we, did oh, we mention Facebook. Facebook? I did not mention Facebook. <laughs> if you listen on Apple Pop podcast please rate and review our show we would love to hear from you and if you listen on another one um i know not all podcatchers <laughs> have the ability to rate the show but if it does please rate it and subscribe because we love having you here with us and speaking to you yes merry christmas to everyone i really hope wherever you are that you can at least make the most of having a bit of a break from work if you're able to go to work and catch up with family whether it be in person or virtually I'll definitely be catching up with my sister virtually because she's in Canada so I get that well as is most of my family but so yeah yeah Merry Christmas everyone and to those people who don't celebrate Christmas just have a happy day <laughs> <laughs> happy writing everyone <laughs>